All right, City Hills, somebody give it up to Jesus right now. Woo! Turn around, give somebody an excited City Hills high five and say, Woo, I'm glad to be here. And you may be seated. Oh, it is wonderful to be here with you at City Hills today. And I feel the power and the presence of God in a beautiful, beautiful way. Wonderful to be here with our dear friends, uh, Pastor Mitch and Brandy. We appreciate them so very much. We go way back. Uh, in fact, our, our boys, Jonathan and Jeremy, went to youth camp with them. And uh, they all went to youth camp together when they were teenagers in North Carolina. Uh, we were planning a church there in North Carolina. And uh, so it, it's, it's just exciting for us to see what God is doing through their ministry. And uh, see what God is doing right here at City Hills. So Paul and I are just thrilled to be here and to hear about your record-breaking attendance and fabulous Sunday last Sunday. Uh, with so many people committing their lives to Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I think that's fantastic. And we talked about it a little bit this week. And we've just been thrilled. Paul and I have been thrilled about it. And so I just want you to know, uh, you already know, but let me just remind you how blessed you are to have this precious couple right here in Bernie leading this church. Amen. They're an outstanding couple. And uh, they have a heart for God and they have a heart for others. They have a heart for this area and for this church. And God is doing some powerful things through them. And one thing you can do for them is pray for them every day. Pray for them, support them, and back them up and get on the team uh, as, as they lead you together to great things. You know, you know I believe that the sky is not the limit to what God is doing right here. I believe your families are going to find God. Your friends are going to find God. They're going to come in. There's a place for everyone here. And I'm just honored to be here, and uh, Paul and I both are. And I want to I title this today, uh, The Far-Reaching Consequences of Choices. And, of course, this is a church that wants you to know God, wants you to find freedom. And freedom is found in groups. And uh, I think you'll start groups again the next semester is this summer. And I encourage you to get in those groups. And then, and then discover your purpose and make a difference. Get in growth track. Discover your purpose and make a difference. But choices are something that are with us daily. We, do, we, we make choices every day. Choices. Choices choices. Some of you may have the choice today. Tacos or broccoli? Broccoli or taco? That's not much of a choice. Not much of a choice. Give me tacos every day. Come on, somebody. You see, there is a point uh, along the Continental Divide, high in the Rocky Mountains. Paul and I were there uh, in Colorado this past summer. And we may go again this summer, but there's, it, it's, it's right there by the Continental Divide where the waters of a small stream separate. And it, doesn't, it, it wouldn't seem to matter uh, which way one drop of water went. 
whether it went to the right or whether it went to the left. But the outcome of these two drops of water are totally different. For you see, one drop goes west and eventually flows into the Colorado River and empties into the Gulf of California and then ultimately the Pacific Ocean, while the other drop goes east until it flows into the Mississippi River, dumps into the Gulf of Mexico, and ultimately the Atlantic Ocean. Two drops of water and two entirely different destinations, but one small turning point that, that determines the outcome. And I submit today that there's many choices in life that are like that. They're seemingly insignificant choices when we make them. But those choices can set in motion a series of events that will shape our life and shape the lives of our children and even our grandchildren after us. Sometimes folks make unwise choices uh, which aren't momentous in themselves but they can lead to tragedy a teenager chooses to ride with someone who has been drinking or perhaps with a friend who texts uh, while driving and a tragedy can happen uh, and, and a girl can go to a party and decide to have a drink and let her inhibitions down and thus become pregnant uh, Seemingly small choices can have momentous consequences. I think of Pastor Mitch and Brandy coming here. They had other places to go. They, they, they had places they could go and, and pastor a church that was already established. But they made the choice. They felt like God was directing them. And they listened to the voice of of God and they sought the voice of counsel and they made the decision they made the choice we're going to Bernie Texas and we're going to plant a church called City Hills and now look what the Lord has done in just a little over two years wow lives have been impacted and changed destinies have been affected and settled I think of Paula and, and uh, me, when we went to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, we, we were on our way to Tennessee to become pastor of a large church there. And we, we felt, uh, I, I, I will say, we, we had prayed about it. But maybe the flesh got in the way. Do you know the flesh can get in the way of choices? And, and, and maybe the flesh got in the way a little bit. We felt like this was the right thing to do. But we rolled into that beautiful city in Tennessee to pastor that great church. And it was like a dark cloud came over our car on a bright, sunshiny day. And I looked at her and I said, Paula, I said, do you feel what I feel? And she said, Mark, she said, I, I, I feel like a dark cloud is hovering over our automobile right now. I said, babe, this is not the place. They took us through that 750-seat auditorium they, they, that was totally paid for, beautiful buildings, four stories high, and, and they, they showed me the big office. But I got the pastor who was retiring later, and I sat down and talked with him. And I told him, I said, look, I have got, I don't know what it is. I don't feel right about this. And, and I've got an opportunity, I think, in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, that I may ought to go check on. 
Now, my name is Mark, and I'd known him all my life, and he called, he called me Remarkable. And so he, here's what he said. He said, Remarkable, he said, that's a beautiful city. We don't want to stand away in the way of the will of God, and we want you to make the right choice. And he said, I'm going to pay your way. You go. I, I told him there was a little bitty handful of people that were looking for somebody. And they, they were struggling, and they were in bad shape, but I just felt something for them. Paula and I drove into Winston-Salem, and that cloud was not over our car. It was like the angels were singing, Hallelujah! And we begin to we begin to weep. We begin to worship the Lord, and uh, then we we begin to lead that little group of people. Now, the first ten days. Now, I thought that when we went there, I thought that everything was at least paid up. But the first ten days, when I would go to the mailbox in front of that little church that they had built, I went there. I went to the mailbox. And there was letters from collection agencies and attorneys. And they were not saying real nice things about the church. And uh, I began to suspect that all was not as we had been led to believe. And I'm glad they had led me to believe that because I can honestly tell you I would have made the right choice. I wish I could, could tell you, oh yes, I would have. But no, I'm just going to be transparent here today. I'm not sure that I would have made the right choice. Uh, and then 10 days in. We, we'd slept, we, Jonathan and Jeremy, they were uh, four and six at that time, and we had rolled out uh, pallets on the floor in that little office. It was February, turned on a little, a little heater there uh, to stay warm at night. And uh, ten days in, a man came by, and he brought a sack, a paper sack, and he poured it out on that little metal desk, and it was all the bills. And to me, it looked like it was this high. And so when he walked out and left, I, 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 had, I had already realized in the first 10 days that they were coming or they were considering foreclosing on our building and also that they were, they, they were coming, dispatching a truck to come repossess our pews. Now, let me say this. There was no misappropriation of funds. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, there were no funds to appropriate. All right? And so they... they I sat there, and that's one of the few times, maybe the only time, that Paul and I were discouraged at the same time. And that's a very bad place for a church planner to be if the husband and wife are discouraged at the same time. I sat there, and I heard the door creak open. Now, normally folks would, would say I'm a little bit uh, hyper maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, but I, I would normally jump up, go see who it was. But I was discouraged, and, and the devil was on my shoulder talking to me. And he was telling me, preacher boy, you've got a wife and two children. Nobody knows you're even here. Get out of town or everybody's going to think, oh, Mark is a failure. And I was listening. That was the sad thing. And in walked a drunk. It was very obvious he was drunk. And he staggered in and he looked there and he, he started going like this and he tried to find me with his finger and he, and he couldn't and finally he leaned against the doorpost and anchored himself and he found me sitting behind that desk and he said preacher God sent me and in my mind I looked up I didn't say it out loud but I said thanks a lot God exactly what I need today but then the drunk 
was stone cold sober. And he said, preacher, God sent me. And he told me to tell you that you are God's man for this city. And you're God's man to build a church here. And that God has called you. God has sent you. God's going to keep you. And don't you think about leaving. Wow. Now, all of a sudden, he was drunk again. And he kind of got off the doorpost and he took a couple of steps back and kind of turned around and took a couple of more steps back and then got going over his shoulder and said, pray for me, preacher. And out the door he went. But that was God, God's way of affirming our decision. God was telling us, you've made the right choice. Uh, you, you let the big church go, but I'm here with you. Now, here's what we did not understand. We prayed over our boys daily. We prayed over them. We, we prayed for their future. We prayed for every aspect of their life. But little did we know that we were raising, who, he was four years old when we went there, a future church planter that someday was going to go to Houston, Texas and plant, now four and a half years ago, Hope City. Little did we know that by coming there, we were going to come in contact with Mitch and Brandy and that they were going to eventually get married and that they were going to start a church and that we would still have a connection all those years later through one small choice that God used. I think of Lot's choice. Lot, and we're not going to go into the story. We don't have time to go into the story today. But Lot separated from Abraham. And Abraham gave him his choice. And he chose the lush, well-watered plains of Sodom. And in the 13th chapter of Genesis, he looked towards Sodom. Then he moved his tents near Sodom. In the 14th chapter, we find him living in Sodom. And finally, he is sitting in the gate of Sodom in the 19th chapter as a city official now it didn't happen overnight but that one seemingly insignificant choice that he made without counseling with God or without counseling with his overseer Abraham he, he didn't understand but years later that choice led to him losing his wife barely escaping with his own life and and he escaped with his two daughters, but he's hiding in a cave and commits incest as his daughters make him drunk. And the offspring of those two disgraceful nights are the Moabites and the Ammonites, two of Israel's perennial enemies. But it all began with Lot's choice to live near Sodom. Now, what I want to do is I want to put my faith and my trust in the word of God. The scripture says in Psalm 119, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I have given the word of God authority in my life. And that is 
paramount. Uh, so often we can overestimate ourselves, overestimate uh, our, our decision-making process. Uh, but look at Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 15. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Ladies and gentlemen, I need the fingerprints of a pastor all over my life. I need the fingerprints of a pastor all over the lives of my family. I, I, I need to lead my family in praying for our pastor and, and supporting our pastor. You, you see, it's easy for us to sometimes think we know best but it's always good to counsel with the man of God. Now, let's let the scripture preach to us for just a moment. The, Isaiah 5 and 21 says, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent or clever or shrewd in their own sight. 2 Corinthians 11. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And then Matthew 23 and 12 says this, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased or humbled. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. I'm telling you this morning that God is on a mission in this place right now, reaching for someone, reaching for someone who is on the verge of a choice. Uh, that uh, You're going to go to the right or you're going to go to the left. Uh, and God is on a mission today to reach you. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Guard your heart uh, above all else, uh, for it determines the course of your life. So the question I want to ask is which way? Is your heart leaning today? Choices often result in, again, momentous consequences. I think of the young couple, highly successful, came to me at our church in North Carolina. The man did precious, precious couple. He was making at that time around a quarter of a million dollars a year. And he came and he said, Pastor, he said, uh, he said, I've, I've, I've gotten an offer in a bigger city, and uh, we're going to take it. I, I'm going to make at least a half a million a year, maybe more, and, and it, it's going to be good for our family. It's a move we need to make. And uh, they didn't ask me to help them pray about it. They didn't ask anything. And, uh, and I just I said, okay. I said, now, have you prayed about it? They said, yes, we have. I said, have you found a church there? No, we've already visited there. We visited a few churches. So I encouraged them to find a church. I gave them my blessings. I prayed over them. And, uh, and they departed. And they never got anchored in a church. They never led their kids uh, to, to find God in that city. One day, the lady got on a plane, flew across the country, knocked on a hotel room door. And what she thought? was really true. It really happened. He was there with another woman. And it shattered their family. Making big money. Huge money. But their family was never the same. One small choice. But momentous consequences. And their family has been shattered to this very day. 
Sometimes it takes years to, to see the outcome, the consequences of a choice or a decision. I, I had somebody ask me one time. They said, you know, I'm, I'm just not doing well. I, I, I need to do better. And I encouraged them to go back to college. They said, I'm 45 years old. I'll be 49 if, if I get the degree I want. And I said, look, look at it this way. You're going to be 49 years old with a degree or you're going to be 49 years old without a degree. The choice is yours. Choices have eternal consequences. And so I've got to understand that I'm not just deciding for a moment, but I'm deciding for a lifetime. I heard of the young man just recently, graduated from LSU Law School. I haven't heard the total resolution of the story, but... He was, uh, he was quite a rounder in undergrad school, and uh, he, he made the bar scene a lot, got into fights, got locked up several times, nothing major, just fighting in, in a bar. But he got his law degree, and he found out that because of choices as an undergrad, they were not going to let him take the bar exam. I don't know what has happened since then. Hopefully he had changed his life. But hopefully he, he was able to. But choices. Joseph. Uh, and we don't have time to go into that story. But in the book of Genesis. Joseph. Uh, when he refused. To bow to the seduction. Of Potiphar's wife. And he was thrown in prison. When he was falsely accused. Did not know. It was years before he understood that that one choice, the right choice, it looked like the wrong choice at the time. It got him prison. But that one choice was a decision that in 15 years I will become the governor and second in command of Egypt because he made one choice. Uh, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, choices are all important. Ronnie was just a little boy when the pastor didn't mean to, but he hurt his dad deeply, hurt Ronnie's dad deeply. And it was, it was a terrible thing at that time for his dad and mother. But his dad had a prayer meeting. And his dad said, I've got a decision to make. I've got a choice to make. And I'm going to choose to continue to anchor my family in this church. And I'm going to choose to forgive the pastor. He has begged for forgiveness. And I'm going to choose to forgive him. And I'm going to choose to follow him. And Ronnie grew into a teenager. And he began to feel his call to preach. It was a large church. He began to feel his call to preach. The pastor took him under his wing and began to nurture him and train him. He went away to Bible college and he came back. And the pastor continued to train him. And the pastor pastor was ready to retire and that church, he, the pastor and the board recommended Ronnie and that church elected Ronnie to become the pastor of that large church. Later, he became the leader over a large group of pastors and churches. And then even later, his son, when he retired, was elected as the pastor of that church. The day that they buried Ronnie's dad. 
They were at the cemetery and a family member came up and a family member said, Ronnie said, do you remember what the pastor did to your dad when you were a little boy? Ronnie looked at him with questions in his eyes. And he says, I don't really even know what you're talking about. And later that evening at the house, he asked his mother about it. He said, Mother, they mentioned something. She said, Ronnie, that's true. But said, your dad made a choice. Your dad made a choice to do the right thing and to lead his family the right way. And because of that choice, he didn't know he was choosing for you to be the next pastor of this church. And he didn't know that he was choosing for his grandson to become the pastor after you. But that one choice led to all of this. And I believe there's people here today that are going to make choices. I believe there's people here today that are going to make momentous decisions. They may seem small today, but they're going to be momentous for your family. There's power in choosing. I, I, I think of, of the young couple. Well, let, let me just say that. Let me give you another scripture here. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And it says this. Now, the chapter, um, chapter 2 and verse 11, chapter 10, our verse 10, I'm not going to talk or read that one, but that talks about forgiveness. I, I just kind of feel nudged that somebody needs to forgive somebody here today. The scripture says this, forgive in, in that 10th verse, and, and then the 11th verse, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And then Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Now watch close. Lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. One small choice to keep bitterness in my heart. To not forgive. Well, 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 Bishop, they haven't forgiven anybody. Mark, they haven't forgiven any, or, or they haven't forgiven anybody themselves, but they haven't even asked for forgiveness. Well, the bottom line is they're probably never going to ask for forgiveness. And so you're not forgiving them for your sake. You're for, uh, for their sake, you're forgiving them for your sake. That's why I'm forgiving them. So that I can be right. So that I can lead my family the right way. Because bitterness can spring up. And it doesn't just mess me up. But it messes up others. It defiles many. And it will mess my family up. I think of the young couple. They closed out Club 66 in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Many years ago. They were the last ones to leave. They'd had a wonderful night of dancing. They were, they were dating. And the young man who was playing football for the University of New Mexico, he had been through World War II and was now attending the university. And he, he took his date home, slept in the next morning, and then he called her. It was a Sunday morning. And uh, he said, I'd like to, like to take you to a movie tonight. And she said, well, I, I would love to go. However, I have promised my granny that I would go to a revival service at her church tonight. And the last thing in the world he wanted to do was go to church. And he did everything in his power to talk her out of it. And she said, no, 
I've, I can't let my granny down. And he said, she said, you come go with me. And he desperately wanted to be with the girl, so he went with her. That night, during the service, the, the evangelist preached on the cross. And for the first time, that 21-year-old young man had never heard it in his entire life. He heard that Jesus died for him. And there was an old-fashioned altar call that was given. And his girlfriend nudged him and he thought she was going out to the restroom. But she turned and she went down to the front. And about that time, while the evangelist was still giving the altar call, he felt a hand on his shoulder and it was the pastor. And looked at him and said, young man, would you like to give your life to Jesus tonight? And tears began to course down his cheeks and he stepped out and he walked down to that altar and he fell so much in love with Jesus that night that that 21 year old man that had been through World War II playing football now he, he couldn't quit crying and finally he got up and, and he walked up that aisle and out the church still wiping tears got in his car forgetting that he had a date and drove home But that night, that man and that lady made a decision that they were going to serve Jesus. Uh, he, he quit the University of New Mexico. He went to Bible college. And that man and that lady became my parents. They married 71 years ago through the course of a decision they made has still affected my life, the lives of my children and the lives of my grandchildren to this very day because people that would become my mother and dad, they made the right decision. And there are people here today that are making right decisions. You know who you are. And I believe the Lord is talking to people here today. And I want to pray for you. Can we bow our heads in prayer right now? Father, I want to thank you for the power of your presence that is in this place. I want to thank you for precious people that have come. They have brought their families and they've gathered here today to worship and magnify you. And now, Lord, you're giving us the chance to make a choice. And I know they're going to make the right choice. Lay your hand on every precious person. Thank you for Pastor Mitch. Thank you for Brandy. Thank you for this church and what it means. Thank you for all the lives that have been changed in just a little over two years. And now, Lord, thank you for decisions that are going to be made right now. In Jesus' name.